Spire. From Spire, this is Starting Now, a show about change, resilience, and your next big idea. I'm Jeff Saris. Today's guest is the founder of 12-Minute Athlete, Krista Stryker. Through her 12-Minute Athlete app, her book, and the immense library of content that she's created online, Krista helps people reach their fitness goals through high-intensity interval training and bodyweight exercise. In this episode, Krista talks about her shift from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset, and how a simple bet that she couldn't do a push-up eventually led her to become the face of her own fitness brand and business. So, without further ado, let's get started. So hey there, Krista. Thank you so much for doing this. Hey, thanks for having me. So you are an entrepreneur. You're a fitness entrepreneur where you have an app and you do a bunch of different things. Um, I want to dive into that. But first, I kind of want to rewind. And who was Krista growing up? Like, What did you envision? Were you going to be an entrepreneur? Were you going to be a fitness, uh, a person in the fitness space? Like, What were you thinking? No, these are like the probably both the entrepreneur and fitness aspect are the the last things I would have ever <laughs> guessed I would be. Um, I didn't get into fitness till after college. I couldn't. I basically like couldn't do anything. I couldn't do a push up. Definitely couldn't do pull up or handstands or anything like that. And never saw myself as really getting out of that kind of. You know, I was pretty weak. I, I I failed all those presidential fitness tests that we all had to take <laughs> growing up. Um, I played some team sports like basketball and soccer, but never really got into them and really just thought I was destined to be a, a non-athletic, super clumsy, weak person. And that didn't change till after college. Um, and as far as the entrepreneur aspect no i my parents owned a dental office so i kind of saw the runnings of a small business but it was never in my head as something that was possible um i don't know if you, like you in in high school i you would take these like career tests and they'd give you like these very limited um ideas of what you could do with your career and i knew that none of them fit but i didn't know i just didn't know the there was something else that I could really create my own career. And that took a while to figure out. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, that's a lot of learning. I think for a lot for most of us as entrepreneurs, it's unless you had that direct influence, it's really, I mean, you were closer to it, having the dental office sort of be in the family. But that is it. I mean, I had no idea either. It took me forever to like realize that this is this is the, the life I'm more geared for. Um, so you weren't really into fitness all that much. What was the turning point that got you into that first? I assume the fitness came before the entrepreneurship in the fitness space. It sure did. I actually learned most of my life lessons through fitness. I can attribute most of the things I learned. Um, and part of it was, so, so when I was growing up, I don't know if you know much about like fixed or growth mindsets. Um, there's psychology terms where, Having a fixed mindset basically means that you think you were born with certain traits and that no matter what you do, you're not really going to get that much better. A growth mindset, on the other hand, you could probably guess, means that you think 
that you can get better and improve at something. So I had a total fixed mindset. And, and why that's so bad is that it really means that you are not even trying to get better. So because I never could do a push up, I never tried to do a push up. Um, which looking back is crazy. <laughs> like now <laughs> everything I know is like, come on, Kristen. But you know, it's a simple mindset shift that, that really makes a big difference. Um, and so what really changed for me was I was very lost growing up. I switched colleges like every six months. I had like, I don't know, 10 majors, um, just really all over the place and just super lost in my life. And I have an older brother who teases me and makes fun of me. And one day he challenged me to do a push up. And I'm also very stubborn. So I didn't want to give in and like admit that I couldn't do a push up to my older brother. And uh, I did three of like the worst push ups that anyone's ever seen. They're probably awful. But it that was kind of, I don't know, it just was a switch in me that I was at such a low point in my life that I was like, you know what, I'm going to try at something because nothing is working. You know, like <laughs> I thought I would just magically have some talent one day, like I would wake up uh, in Hogwarts and all of a sudden my wizardy <laughs> skills would show up. And they didn't. <laughs> so <laughs> I was, those push-ups were like the catalyst that, that made me try in fitness and then really in the rest of my life. So then how did you go? So three push-ups, the very beginning. <laughs> I like that. And <laughs> a nice smooth transition into being who you are today, right? Just a very oh, so tiny, tiny baby step. And now you're here. So <laughs> So how did you then, what did you do right after that? What were, what were your first steps? My first steps were to try to kind of establish a workout habit. Cause I had always been like all over the place, total yo-yo fitness person. Um, and so I started with some, okay, I'm going to start running. I'm like, I hate running. Running is my least favorite thing. It always has been my least favorite thing. So I would have these you know, three mile runs, like three days a week, and I would do anything possible to get out of them. Um, and it took a really long time of experimenting with different styles of fitness to realize that you actually should not hate your workout. So if you're hating your workout, you're probably doing something wrong. There are so many other types of exercise than like running um, and yeah, it took me, it took me years of experimenting. I found, I, I ended up at one point because I had no idea what else to do with my life, getting my personal training certification when I had moved to Europe. And, um, from there, yeah, I just, I just started experimenting. I tried a lot of different things. I ended up really falling in love with like calisthenics, body weight training, high intensity interval training. Um, kind of minimal equipment workouts. I just have always loved that. I love working out outside. I love like outdoor wo uh, workout parks, like fitness parks are super fun to me. And just kind of finding, figuring out different ways to get in movement kind of wherever you're at, uh, if you're stuck in your house, <laughs> um, <laughs> or like I said, at a park. I'm not so into gyms. Even when I go to a gym, I'm like, 
in the outdoor area of the gym using like maybe the pull-up bar and the medicine ball. But it took me like years to figure that out. So then um, first, outdoor fitness parks. I've never found a great one. Like I love the, so like I'm not looking, it's not, it's not something I'm searching for, but um, I've seen like Al Travadolo and I think you might've done stuff with him at one time in New York City and where, I mean, this is a complete sort of tangent, but where are some of your favorite fitness parks? Um, so for oh, and actually, yeah. actually, how do you define that? Just for anyone who doesn't know um, what that entails. It's like an adult workout playground it's it's like literally a playground but for adults with pull-up bars and you know maybe a a bar to do a human flag on or dips or things like that um a grass area so you can do push-ups and sit-ups um they're they're actually all over the world and so there's there's a really terrible website it's just like i think they haven't updated it um on the back end for like 20 years but it's called calisthenicsparks.com with a hyphen in between calisthenics and parks. And people will list all the calisthenics workout parks all over the world. So I will go and travel. I'll be in like Italy and be like, okay, where's a workout park? And I go find it. And it's so much fun. Um, that being said, my favorite workout park in the whole world is where I live in LA in Santa Monica, California. It's amazing. It's on the beach. It's beautiful. It's huge. Uh, I pretty much moved here to be able to work out there. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I love it. There. I said I don't know where any are. I've been to that one. So, <laughs> but yeah. So back to the uh, sort of entrepreneurial world. So you are at this point. You got your certification, your personal trainer certification. What were you doing? Um, like, were you working a different job? Like, what were you doing sort of just before you started 12-Minute Athlete? So I tried to do the gym trainer thing for a while. And that world is brutal, especially if you're working at a big box gym like I was in New York City. And I just I just couldn't do it. I also realized very quickly that I was really bad at having a boss. Really bad at, like, working at a company, um, having someone tell me what to do. I just didn't do well with it. So again, a very meandering journey of trying to figure out, okay, how can I have the lifestyle that I want um, and figure out my own kind of job? And um, I really did start with that kind of lifestyle business thinking. And like when I started, this was 2012, crazy. Um, <laughs> blogging was like the biggest thing back then. And I also had just read the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss. Um, yeah. He's changed a lot of lives with that book. Yeah, Cause that was me sure. too. <laughs> really? That was the thing that opened my mind. Like it was wow. right when it came out, but right. Yeah. That's so crazy. So yeah, I read that and I read Chris Gilbu's the $100 startup. Mm -hmm. Also a very awesome book, but it was talking kind of about how to, start a blog. And that was like, I've always been a writer. I, I studied journalism, journalism in school, um, actually was like a radio journalist for a little bit. And nice. so I wanted to kind of take my business online and figure out how to do that. So that's kind of where I, I tried out a, probably like five blogs before Twilman Athlete had no real focus. You know, you got to do that. You got to test out things, see if they work. And then 
that's the one that I that stuck that I like had a good enough idea to actually stick with and I made a content plan thanks to Chris Gillibo's book um (laughs) had like three months of content before I even told anyone it existed already knew at that time that I wanted to create an app so yeah that's really how it got started yeah and I mean diving into the app too this is early so was it three months in that you started building the app no it was probably the year after because i had no idea what i was doing you know i didn't know how to make an app (laughs) oh yeah absolutely i mean it is such it's a big leap too because you're so you're building um i know you don't like fitness personality but you're building yourself as a fitness personality and then um how are how are you going to tie in the business to it is is always the big question um, yeah. So it was three months before you really started to promote it at all. How, what did you do sort of day one from that point? How were you promoting it? How were you um, starting to build your community? So again, I had no idea what I was doing. I had no like long-term <laughs> plan at that point. It was like, I sent out that first email to friends and family, like, Hey guys, like this is what I'm doing now. <laughs> and seriously, it took my parents at least a year, if not more, before they stopped being like, when are you going to get a real job? And I was like, no, uh-huh. this, this is it. I'm going to make this work. So I sent out that friends and family email, which was always kind of terrifying. Um, and then just tried, you know, all the kind of guest blogging tactics online. You know, things have changed a lot since that time. Mm-hmm. If <laughs> There used to be RSS feeds. It used to be very different. Um, yeah. When I was first starting, I really liked uh, Copy Blogger as a resource. That was super helpful. Um, I actually went to like a Copy Blogger conference as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's how we met. Yeah. <laughs> and a couple. So I actually went to a few different conferences, and that was really interesting early on as a beginner in the space. Um, Yeah, I feel like I learned a lot from that. It it gave me some confidence, you know, when I met people like you and you were encouraging. And (laughs) um, yeah, I just kept going from there. Just, I guess the main thing for me has always been consistency. So I, from the beginning, have, have written very, very consistently. I, at first, was writing two new blogs a week and like had three new workouts a week which looking back is a lot. Um, Oh yeah. (laughs) I have toned it down since then. Although with social media now, I don't know. Um, So yeah, consistency and um, just sticking with the tactics that other people said worked, like I said, guest blogging and just trying to get my name out there. Yeah, for sure. So then when, uh, when you started working on the app, did, had you reached a certain amount of email subscribers, traffic? Was there was there like a tipping point where you knew, okay, now it's time to invest? That is a great question. Um, I don't, I'm, first of all, I'm really bad with, I've never been great at like watching the numbers. I think I mm-hmm. early on just decided not to do that too much because it was, it felt too personal. Like I didn't want to look at a post that I, that I really felt um, that I really wanted to write and then see that it didn't get, you know, as many views as I thought it should. Like, I just, I didn't want to 
rule my business by the numbers in that way, which, you know, has good and bad things about it. Like sometimes mm-hmm. I think it's good to do, but I also don't think, you know, if you see a blog or a website that's all about the SEO, you can tell like there's no heart yeah. in it anymore. So I really didn't want to do that. Um, but I did see, like I, we've talked about the blogging was really big and everyone was starting a blog at the time. And I knew I needed to do something to differ, differentiate myself. Um, and I just, the app world was also pretty new at the time. It was like 2013. And I just, I really had this vision for an app that I wanted to create. And so I like saved up some money, did not get funding um, and invested in that initial app. And that, that was like, that was definitely a tipping point for my business. Cause it was like, all of a sudden took people, took me and told my athlete seriously, which was really cool. Mm-hmm. And now is that the first selling the app for the first time? Was that the first dollar you made from the company from this, um, this version of your entrepreneurial journey? Yes. Nice. And how did you then, so you were just, you, you dove in head first into the app world. How did you find the people to work with? How did you negotiate sort of what were your, your steps from concept to uh, reality? Yeah, that's the hard part. It's uh, finding developers is really a tough process. (laughs) Even (laughs) now I struggle. I lucked out when I was first beginning. I, had a mastermind group um, with a couple of people, one of which who had worked uh, with a developer on an app before. And so he kind of gave me advice that, you know, if you go and kind of draw out the app, so it's like the screen flow of the app, then it'll be a way easier for the developer. And so I did like kind of all the design and like, you know, this screen goes into this screen and all that kind of stuff, that thinking that you have to do. And then he connected me to this developer who lived in Barcelona. And it was, I really lucked out. (laughs) It was, it was a really great first experience. Uh, Unfortunately, that same developer eventually took a full-time job. And so since it's, it's been harder, like people think about the difficulty of creating apps, but then Actually, the upkeep has been much more challenging. And, you know, the app world has changed so much. When I was first starting, it was like you either had a a paid app or you had an app that had ads. And there weren't in-app purchases at all. Um, (laughs) So I had it when that changed, like I had to change the whole whole model, which was definitely challenging. Mm -hmm. Now, I know it's a while ago, but approximately how much did that cost for the first iteration of the app? The first iteration cost like I think sixty five hundred, which now yeah. is a steal. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it's like someone just starting out. It's a huge investment, it's, like to really. I mean, you're going yeah. in, you're dipping into the bank account and and yeah. buying this thing. But yeah, today, I mean, apps are just more and more expensive as you go. Yeah, and they're just so much more complicated than they used to be too. Like my app was so simple; it was beautiful and simple starting out, and. It's definitely been an interesting challenge trying to grow it and add features. Mm -hmm. So at the very beginning, what were the features that were sort of, what was your minimum viable product that you had to deliver? So the, the product was very simple. We had, and it's still like very much like this, but there were like 200 workouts built into the app and 
think seven different equipment options. So, you know, body weight, kettlebell, pull-up bar, dip bar, a few others. And you just would choose a workout based on what you had available. And um, yeah, there was an interval timer built in. So if you wanted to do your own workout and it, like I said, it was very simple. You could watch videos if you wanted. It didn't take you through, like, I'm not in there being like, do this rep and this rep, you know, I, I, my audience tends to be a little more independent. So they, they look at the workout and then it takes them through with these like, um, little exercise icons and yeah, it was just very cool, very simple. And it's still very much like that, but there's, you know, more programs, more, more everything now versus the, the first iteration. Mm hmm. So how long was it before that was, because this is your full-time gig and it has been for years, how long once you launched the app and possibly other products, was it before you were able to, to go all in? Or was it day one, you're like, no, this is it. I'm doing this. No, it definitely took me time because I didn't actually have any paid products until the app. So mm-hmm. I would say about a year in, it started to like make you know, decent money where I could actually spend all my time on it, which is great. Nice. <laughs> yeah. When did you then decide to introduce your next product or, or revenue stream even? Um, so that was a challenge for me. So I, at, it was probably two years in that I decided to have like bigger programs, like more coaching style programs on the site. And again, this was kind of when there weren't these platforms that there are now. It was actually like kind of challenging to figure out um, what to use. I, I talked to some people like who back in the day would have programs and they're just sending everything via email every week. You know, it wasn't like these well thought about thought out platforms like they have now. So yeah, I, I started introducing some of those as more like group coaching had some ebooks, stuff like that, um, added, added more features to the app, in-app purchases, like I mentioned, it was very exciting. <laughs> and then most recently, uh, released my first book. Yeah. So across all of those different uh, streams of income, where, how would you say it's distributed? The app has always been my main focus in terms of income. Uh, it's, the thing I have the most fun with and I like the platform the best, you know, it's just really easy to use and fun to use. And, um, I, I limit, I limit my coaching just because it takes up a lot of time. So I have a pretty small client base there, but that's, that's also fun. Yeah. And how, so you do a lot online on Instagram and YouTube and everything. How do you decide what should be premium and what should be um, for for social media? That is such a good question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish I I thought about that better when I started because I I started with the idea that well, first of all, I do want fitness to be accessible to everyone. So I've always wanted to keep my products like affordable. I do not like the online marketing world when it's like. You can just tell they, they priced a product high because they wanted to or they could. Um, and it doesn't deliver all that value. 
that's always really upset me. So I've always tried to keep things fairly um, reasonable and also have a lot of free stuff available on my site. On my website, I have thousands and thousands of free workouts. Like if you want to get fit and you can't afford it, like I have options for you. And I never want that to be a barrier. But that being said, it is still a business. So um, early on, I think I offered too much for free. And figuring out that that kind of fine line has always been a little bit of a challenge. Um, but I basically, you know, if it's just a workout, like I, I post those all the time on Instagram, on YouTube, on my website. But if it's more into a program or a well thought out, like mindset based thing or something like that, then then it's going to be a little bit more. But again, it's I try to keep it affordable because I know that, you know, fitness is important and not everyone can afford like high price stuff for no reason. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, and it is that fine line where where do we cut off? Yeah. And where do we cut off the freebie? But we need to build the awareness. And obviously you've grown immensely, but you want to continue growing, continue getting people into your products and services. Um, How do you generally feel people transition? Is it so they follow you on social media, they they watch what you're doing, and then do they naturally go over? Do you have little uh, prompts to say, hey, support me in this way? How do you approach that? Um, yeah. So one of the things that one of the kind of prompts that I'll do is like, I, like I said, I have all these free things, but a lot of times people maybe look at a workout or something and not really know how to make progress. They're not at that level. They know that they're not at the level they want to be. And so I really help people like level up. So, you know, no matter where they're starting from, I work with people of all different fitness levels and backgrounds. And I honestly don't care where you're at now, but I, I want to help you get where you even further than you think you can go. So I, back to that, like fixed mindset thing, I want to get rid of people's fixed mindset and really help them make progress. Um, and so something like we have like skill-based programs, like learning to do a pull-up or things like that. Uh, and a lot of things that people really, especially women, um, but you know, men too, will will think it's impossible. So I really want to help them get rid of that mindset. <laughs> so it's like I, people definitely come into the programs and stuff when they when they're kind of tired of, you know, being at the same level that they're at, or they want to just figure out how to reach higher goals. Mm -hmm. And now, so the programs you have them within the, within the app and also through your site, or is it, um, are they segmented? Are they, are they the same programs? Are they different? They're different. The ones through the site, I would love all this to be a little bit more integrated, but we're working on it. The ones through the site are much more like group coaching. So Mm -hmm. Um, a lot more like one-on-one time with me and really individualized goals where the app, you know, I don't have a lot of contact with the people who use the app. So it's very hands-off. Yeah. So then, um, speaking of that, what does a typical day look like for Krista? Oh, good question. Um, so I get up, you know, early-ish, 6.37, and I try to make sure to write for an hour, an hour and a half. 
60 to 90 minutes is, is usually the goal. And then, so I try to be very focused during that time and like turn everything off. Um, and then from there, I usually take a break, go to a workout. Um, and my day is pretty like back to back, either work, workouts, or like, you know, dog walk. Like I, I try to have very focused work times and then I take a break. Um, yeah. So I feel like every day is the same, but it's great. (laughs) (laughs) I've set up my days really how I want. I'm outside a lot. I, now that coffee shops are starting to be open again, I get to work (laughs) at my coffee shops. Very exciting. (laughs) 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 But, uh, yeah, it's great. (laughs) Is your work time then, is it predominantly writing? Is there a lot of uh, working with the developer or developers? Like sort of how do you, how do you distribute that time? So I have been trying to get better about like very like focusing and segmenting my time on each project. So if like in the morning I will be writing either an article or or writing something for my book. Um, Later in the day, I'll take a chunk of time and work only on the app. And then, you know, I don't try to, I try not to check my email 1000 times during the day. Like I just try to be very focused and intentional and it helps a lot. It helps, you know, get into flow much easier. And it's really, you really get much more productive if you're not scatterbrained between, you know, 10 things at once. That's, that's when I feel like I get nothing done when I'm trying to do 10 things. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Agreed. Um, So then are you, are you handling everything? Is this, are you a one person show? Do you have any contractors, employees that you work with? I mean, obviously the developer, but. Yeah, I do actually. I have, I have a virtual assistant who is awesome and she just does kind of like basic WordPress coding type stuff, some customer support. And I have another content person who helps me think of, you know, ideas for writing and, gets our our launches at the door stuff like that it's very helpful yeah so with so much content how do you determine what to talk about next what to work on next because there is so much out there that you've done there's so much (laughs) i these days i've gone back and forth there's there's times when i i just want to write what i'm inspired to write and that's fine and then sometimes when it seems relevant um we'll actually plan the content out and you know, maybe it's by time of year or around a launch or something. And so that will be like pre-planned a little bit, but I still, I do all my own social media because I like, I, I like the chance to get inspired to kind of say something that I feel in the moment. Um, and again, I can kind of see through the brands that are just like, so planned and uh yeah i don't know i i want to be a real human (laughs) so i do a lot of that (laughs) oh yeah um how would you say even when it comes to social media how where does that come from where does the inspiration come from do you find from like books and reading or things you watch or just generally um introspection maybe yeah that's a good question i read a ton i'm always reading books i have you know, at least a few audiobooks and books on my Kindle at any time. So I'm always, I'm, I get very inspired by 
what I'm reading. I'm always taking courses. Um, I have a mastermind group that we're always talking about interesting ideas. So those are where, yeah, it's, it's like, I'll read even my, the people in my mastermind group look like, we just talked about that like the other day and then I'm writing something new on it, but it's, it's great to be able to get inspired about something that you were thinking about or reading about. So that that happens a lot. And so the mastermind group is a great representation of your network. I mean, your not just your community that you've built for the 12 minute athlete, but the network of people who um, I'm assuming are also entrepreneurs or fitness uh, personalities and whatnot. How did you connect with them in the first place? Is this the same one from the early days? No, mastermind groups are interesting. I think they're amazing. They're amazing resources. And if you can find a great group, that's awesome. I have gone through several in like since I started and this recent one is by far the best. And I, I think it's because we're all more kind of confident in their direction that we're going in our lives. Um, the first one that I was in, like I lucked out by finding the app developer through it, but like we had nothing in common. <laughs> And we were also so new that it wasn't, you know, we didn't feel like we had a lot to offer. Whereas now it's like, I definitely feel more confident. I know some things about something, you know, I have plenty to learn, but like, at least I have something to offer. Um, And so, yeah, uh, my current group, it's about eight people. And we're actually like, all sorts of different fields are our main interest is psychology. So we kind of come together and talk about that. Um, but it's, it's awesome. And is that usually through Facebook or just, just like text message? How do you, how do you like quantify all of that? Yeah, we, so we have, uh, we have a weekly zoom meeting, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) Everything's on zoom now. And uh-huh. we, we have a Slack channel, um, some Google like shared docs, stuff like that. Yeah. So then do you tend to bounce around ideas? Is it more um, sticking with like psychology and whatnot? Or I mean, that's the general premise, but I, I, people are different or interested in different things too. So um, yeah, we bounce around ideas or like we have like a running book list. Um, you know, we watch an interesting YouTube video. We'll send it out to each other. That's very cool. It's, it's nice. like yeah, a I learning find... circle. Oh yeah, for sure. Like having that network is so valuable. Um, yeah. what are we, the, the, some of the people around us, like the people are closest to us, whatever that, yeah. however that phrase goes, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it really helps because I think as entrepreneurs, we can, we can just get in our shell and end up not really connecting with other people. And you just, you, it's very easy just to sit at home typing away, like for me, like coding or design or whatever it is and not really engaging with other people, like awesome people like yourself. (laughs) Um, Well, especially now with everyone at home. Oh yeah, for sure. And no conferences. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, are there any other conferences that you sort of wouldn't miss that you've gone to that you think were a uh, big value? I loved going to conferences early on in my career. I feel like I got a ton out of them. Um, I went to, let's see if I can remember any of them. There was like the new media expo 
it was kind of around blogging. Um, now it kind of turned into a podcast one. You should go. Um, <laughs> uh, the World Domination Summit. Have you ever heard of that mm-hmm. one by Chris? Oh, Andrew? yeah. Chris yeah. So I went to that a few times. I went to the Convert Kit something or other. They have a conference. It's about like creators. It's pretty cool. Um, but the thing is, I mean, it's a good thing, but like as you get more experienced, it's like it's hard to go to conferences and feel like you're learning much. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I in later years I kind of felt like I could have taught all the classes. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm now kind of branching out. I went to one earlier this year by it's called the Flow Research Collective and they do a lot of psychology stuff. I'm obviously very into mindset stuff these days. So that was super fun. And it was, it was really different than like the marketing conferences I'd gone to before is like everyone there is like a sports psychologist or has a PhD in neuroscience or so it was just a really fun, different atmosphere. Um, But I, I highly recommend conferences for networking and not even just and networking is a silly word, um, but like just meeting other cool people, really. And, you know, you're going to learn something. Um, they're a really good experience. Yeah, especially early on. I mean, because a lot of times we don't have people around us who are doing something that we want. I mean, I think it's very rare when we have that entrepreneurial community that then gets us into it we sort of like you said you couldn't work for someone which like i feel the same way i worked a desk job for a while and it just i could never never go back to that you know but yeah. there wasn't anyone around me other than people online and the four-hour work week and all of these things that i was i was seeking but no one knew me i had no interaction with them so yeah early on i think conferences are very valuable yeah so you recently published a book, correct? Is that Was that something you did on your own through a publisher? How did that work out? So I actually, I first self-published. This was two years ago. And then it actually got picked up by um, a publisher, Tiller Press, which is a subset of Simon & Schuster. And so nice. that went, that was officially out in March of this year. So how did that happen? Did they approach you because they saw the book? Did you pitch it to them? They approached me, which was awesome. <laughs> yeah, that is very cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and what kind of ne- negotiations then did you have to go through? Was it uh, pretty straightforward or did you have a lot? Because I mean, I feel like it's a really new thing like like for us, like we're doing our thing in our world. And yeah. then to have to go into the traditional world, it's, it's a little different. Yeah, it was super different. Um they were, they were great though. You know, early on we talked about, they didn't want to make huge changes to the book, which was really important to me. Obviously I'm, I'm always up for making it better, but I don't want them to like have me water it down a bunch um, or just change the message. So <laughs> I, that was really important to me to make sure that it was going to be something I was still proud of, but, but they did a good job. <laughs> yeah. So What's next on the horizon for you then? Is there are there any new projects coming along or anything you're excited about? Yeah, I'm writing I'm writing my second book right now, so that's nice. really fun. Um, I I'm obviously very into writing, so this one's going to be my first one was kind of like 
an overview um, of my like philosophy, hit training, bodyweight fitness, kind of how to make progress no matter where you're starting from. And the next one's going to be much more in depth on mindset, um, some psychology stuff, motivation, but still like around fitness. Nice. So that's so, a huge project right now. Oh yeah, I could imagine. And I've noticed you've started to talk a lot more about mindset and things like sort of to bridge that gap between the two worlds. Yeah. How are you finding that um, that transition? So because obviously, I mean, as you've said, mindset is huge for for your personal life, for your fitness goals, and everything. But mm. since you do a lot of workouts, is has there been any challenge in bridging that gap? I mean, I think it's always, there's always a challenge in like, you want to go in a slightly new direction. You're going to lose some people, maybe bring on new people, but that's fine. That's how it goes. Like everyone is going to go through that at some point in their, well, probably many points in their career. <laughs> yeah. You know, you can't just stay in the same place forever. Um, so, I mean, overall it's, it's been really good. I've always kind of intuitively talked about these types of things I just didn't have the words for them before I didn't know like the actual research behind anything so now that I'm learning more about that it's like very cool that like oh I I actually like had this hunch five years ago or whatever I just didn't know what it was so yeah. it's still the message is very similar it's just like yeah going much more into that um writing a lot more about it. It's, it's been fun. Yeah. And when do you expect to sort of have your maybe draft or publish <laughs> date? I'm not sure because obviously it's a huge project, so it's probably yeah. a little in flux. But it do you is. have an expected date? No expected date. I mean, okay. it's going to be a good year. <laughs> Long-term projects. Yeah. And um, not to go too much further, but when it comes to a book then, uh, I've heard a lot, of course, that it's tough to earn money from the book. Do you find, have you found that and have you instead used it in a different way, maybe as lead generation or anything like that? Yeah, I don't know a single author that's like, oh yeah, I'm making all my money off my books. <laughs> like, <laughs> no matter how well they do, that's just not it. Uh, maybe you could do that in the past, but now it's like, you know, with the, with the online world and everything. And as authors, like you really need more streams of income. So a book, sure. If it does well, awesome. But you want to have courses, um, you know, when we are allowed to be in person again, like I'm going to do more speaking and workshops and that kind of stuff to kind of round it out. Um, keep up with the app, but just have like, I heard somewhere, I don't know, try to have seven different sources of income. So if something dries up, then you still have other things to go off of. Books alone is not a long-term strategy. It's just what I want to do. So I need to find ways to like support that. Oh, for sure. And it's, I mean, you also, you want to be doing the things that, that you personally want to do. Because if it's only, if you make a job out of being an entrepreneur, it's, sort of no different than what you were, would have been doing before. Exactly. So one last question. If okay. you, if today was the last day you were going to earn money from what you have set up now, what would you start with tomorrow? You, it could be in the same fitness space and like it could be the same exact thing, but for some, 
some weird bizarro world, the money's going to dry up and you have to start from the ground floor. How would you get started today? That is a really good question. Um, I, <laughs> I have like five different routes I would, I would go, you know, in some, you know, in some parallel universe, I would probably start and just go right and get my master's or PhD and like become an actual psychologist and do research and maybe work with athletes, that kind of thing. Um, another parallel universe, I would be more of a journalist and write about all the cool stuff that's going on. Not necessarily be the one like leading it, but be the writer and write for more magazines and, and write books and stuff. So those are the like two paths I would take. Yeah. Um, and just on that note, do you, how do you feel about being the leader of this? Like you're the face of everything that you're doing. It's always been a struggle for me. I, I never created, that's why I didn't create the brand Chris the Striker Fitness because mm. I thought that was, <laughs> first of all, that's lame. And then second <laughs> of all, I wanted it to be bigger than me. So my favorite thing in the world is when someone like approaches me on the street and they're like, you're the person who created that 12 minute athlete app and they don't know my name. Um, they don't necessarily like think of me as the, the entirety of the brand. That is the best thing to me. So I, I was always just the face of the brand just because, you know, I'm the one doing so much of it, but I never wanted it to be all about me. Um, and yeah, future goals would be to like bring in other trainers and have other people work with me on it. So it just becomes more of a, a bigger brand. Yeah, I mean, but that is great. That is the thing because it's a recognizable brand. People people coming to you and not knowing your name, of course, is probably a little bit of, well, I mean, it's me, you know my name. But at the same time, like, like you're building something bigger than you, like you said. Yeah. But yeah, this has been great. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah. And for people who want to follow along, check out the app and do everything, where should, where should we send them? I'm pretty easy to Google these days. Um, <laughs> you can find everything at 12minuteathlete.com. Or if you Google 12 Minute Athlete or all of the social accounts are at 12 Minute Athlete, it's, it's pretty easy to find, which is great. SEO is helpful. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, yeah, so I won't take any more of your time. Thank you so much for, for being with us today. And we will talk again soon. Awesome. Thanks for having me. I want to thank Krista for chatting today. Be sure to visit 12minuteathlete.com to see everything that she's up to and follow her everywhere on social media at 12minuteathlete. You'll find all the links in the show notes. As always, this episode of Starting Now is brought to you by our platform, Built. At Built, we help you get started online. Whether you want to start a blog or a business, head on over to built.co. That's co to get started. Built. Your website. Built for you. Simply. Finally, if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the video version of the show on YouTube. You'll find all the links for this episode at built.co slash 005. That's B-Y-L-T dot C-O slash 005. Well, that'll do it for this week. Again, I'm Jeff Saris, and this has been Starting Now. I will see you next week.